All right. So first off, would you kindly tell us your name and your pronouns if you're comfortable with that? Yeah, I'm Joy Marcus and my pronouns are they, them. Thank you so much for making time today. We've, uh, over a few years now, gotten to know each other, but just digitally. But we took yeah. phone calls and such as well, which has been really nice. And the advent of the voice note, that's been something I I don't use a lot, but I do use specifically with certain people. And you're one of those people. It's nice to be able to get a long form. It's like going to a meeting. You get like a long form share that you can listen to when you want. You know, yeah. It's not someone calling you and you're like, oh, I don't know if I have time right now. It's like, actually, I can like... I can intentionally listen to this when I'm decompressed. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah. So uh, there's really nowhere to start in particular, but you, as we were checking in prior, um, some things came yeah. up, things that like I guess I knew, but I've forgotten. But you grew up on a farm. So where did you grow up? I grew up, I was born in Newcastle. So it's a, it's a small, it's very industrial and it's um it's close to Durban in case dead end, so it's close to the ocean, and yeah, you know, I grew up there, and made my father's parents farm, and they had a very sweet little setup, like very wholesome, and a lot of bartering happened there, which was very beautiful. So I think from a young age I was quite exposed to like a more holistic and like very like focused on not wasteful living mm, that's so, so interesting you're set up to be a punk anarchist from the beginning <laughs> yeah and it was quite a there was quite a duality because my my father's father was a very quiet soft man whereas his wife Bops was her name. My father's mother was an absolute racist and very harsh and hardcore, like um, conservative. So I always just kind of shadowed my grandfather around and <laughs> you know, learned from him how to like, he had this very beautiful um, fruit orchard and there was always uh, we call them like little dakers, they little buck. And one always seemed to get into the orchard and eat the fruit. <laughs> and then he was always just like, my grandmother was always like, why don't you put a trap or shoot the thing? And my grandfather was like, no, because the buck eats the fruit that's already kind of rotting. So there's like a system, there's a there's a holistic motion taking place. So why, why? So I love, I love that. I always remember that very clearly. Did you pick up uh, Afrikaans in that context as well, at home? Yeah, yeah. I, I am my my first language is Afrikaans, and English the second. Yeah. And at what point did you leave the farm? I grew up essentially on the farm as well. When did you leave the farm? Where did you go? We moved from Newcastle to a smaller town called Bronkospreit outside Pretoria, which is close to Johannesburg. So more here in Gauteng. So further away from like the coastal line. And it 
was a harsh, very, it wasn't a nice place to be, but I'm glad that my father, my father was a fashion designer and he just bought a farm because my mom liked it and, you know, that's what he was used to. And um, we moved there and we were, we were there for a while and then I left home when I was 15. Then I moved into the city, into Pretoria, into a bigger city, into a metropolitan space. And yeah. Wow, how much? Of, <laughs> I've got interesting there. Yeah, I bet. I mean, you're, you're, you're out there fending for yourself. How much of that was connected to needing to be around queerness or or creativity like art practices or or the energy of a city because I'm from a small place and I am a city person from the fact that I'd I vibrate better in a city I vibrate there's yeah. more more distraction but more input at the same time yeah um so I don't know I don't think any of my major moves have ever been to be closer to like a queer space because it's not really well at least when I was that young like that wasn't really like a focus point for me like I knew that I was you know queer gay from a very I think I was about 12 and I watched the film and I just knew and my necessity to have like gone to a bigger city I think was because my internal structure like my family didn't understand me and was very suppressed with religion and also my parents just weren't like really involved so for me I kind of moved away because in hope of any sense of a community and um there was, there was, there were more artistic and more like, quote unquote, bohemian, like, lifestyles happening in, in like the student spaces in Victoria. And I kind of inserted myself into those spaces and found friends or mm. mutual minds, I guess, in, in some form. Yeah. Was punk a part of your childhood? Oh yeah. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My 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 sister, um, she's she's five years older than me. So from a very young age, you know, she took me to shows, she took me to Thrashers, which was like a skate park in in the big city. So we would catch a ride from from the farm, just like forty five minutes into the city, go watch some punk bands and skate I loved skating when I was younger and so very much that it's just I think my sister's approach of that narrative and like anarchy and what that meant to her was just like getting absolutely plastered <laughs> <laughs> is that where sobriety came from yeah pretty much yeah so I mean, we had we had a stunt where her and I we just drank and did everything that we that was offered or given. What and was available then, as far as the drug scene? Well, 
Well, then, I mean, I, I just always took a bunch of acid, mm-hmm. and and later on, it became a little bit more hardcore. Like, I mean, then I got into doing like more cocaine and like harder drugs. I mean, acid is quite, I don't know, <laughs> like more. I think scary drugs, like life-threatening drugs, yeah. And then I had an accident with with heroin twice, and then I stopped. I think I I got sober when I was seventeen or eighteen, around there. Thank goodness we wouldn't be having this conversation otherwise, right? Yeah. Yep. Very much so. <laughs> So then you've been sober for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah. How long has it been now? I was I was sober for like completely like I didn't touch alcohol or marijuana or anything for like well, I think it was about 12, 12 or 13 years. And now in the last year I've been struggling with my neurodiverse and I don't want to take like an like a Xanax or a what is the what is the other one called like like medical comets so I've been working with my therapist to use marijuana in like a more holistic manner than an escape manner how do you consume it do do you still have like because now things are so progressive are you smoking weed or like a like a pen thing okay you do cool how is that yeah it's sometimes it works it depends on how how aggravated my stimuli is if if my sensory system is already like in an overdrive space then i go for a walk and i just do my kind of breathing and my meditation while i walk and sometimes that calms me down but Sometimes it's 9pm and I can't go for a walk at 9pm, unfortunately. And why is that? I mean, I know the answer to that. It's, I will, I will, I will get, I'll put myself in danger. It's too dangerous here. Yeah, there's a lot of crime. So just kind of, I mean, sometimes I walk around in my apartment block and that's fine. It's safe, but it, it, I, it, I feel like I'm disturbing people with walking past like their homes with my energy being not good oh that's so what's your sign again what's your rising it's a it's a sagittarius capricorn cusp oh hmm. and then my moon and my sun is in leo that's <laughs> leo yeah <laughs> yeah you know usually if there's leo in someone's chart like a fairly present i i find this because i have leo as my ascendant um yeah but i've never felt that yeah uh inclination to uh uh argument or you know what i mean like uh opposing uh sort of life intention it feels like when we met which i don't remember exactly how i wonder maybe it was through the queer tattooer initiative the the online space that this magazine thing that this online magazine that we're doing i i think i i took a a very i took a leap by asking 
you if you could recommend me to any queer studios in Berlin to come and guest. And then we got chatting from there. Great. And, <laughs> and the door opened. And at this stage, that was quite, that was prior to Corona, right? Yeah. And then, <laughs> that was right before. <laughs> and you were poisoned, ready to go. And then it, the world's changed. And yeah. from you and other friends who are from there, Andrew's also from there, the difficulty of getting a entrance visa is real. Like, it's not easy. It's either like a lot of money or it's it's difficult because it depends where where you're from, right? Like what your financial world looks like, like just literally what you were born into in South Africa. If you were born into wealth, I mean, I think this applies all over the world, right? But it's either like a lot of money and especially being like somebody that works for themselves. It's even more risky because governments don't really trust that. So it's like, if you're not in the system completely, there's this like fuzz. Mm. Either both feet in, not one foot here nor there, then it gets complicated. Did making art come to you before tattooing? Because I know that I could, from our conversation, it was really hard to get yourself into a place where you could have both feet in the door of tattooing, right? But was yeah. it, did you just start making art as a young person and then tattoo was just like mandatory? You're like, this is what I need to do. It's actually, it's, it's really bizarre because I had this conversation with my mother recently because she actually asked me how how did this happen and then i was like wait this is actually a really good time to think and reflect on that <laughs> and i really never ever ever thought of tattooing as something that i would like to do i didn't think that it was a nice or a good environment at all i was quite put off by tattooing because of the spaces that my sister got work done was very like um literally the studios would be coupled onto a bar so the environment's like all these big drunk beings tattooing and i i remember i sat in one of her sessions with her and i was like how how is this happening? How is this actually happening? Because sure, it's, it's cool. It's cosmetic and it's, it's, it's to make her feel good about herself. But that dude's slurring. How, does he have any control over what he's doing? Does he know? I was just flabbergasted because I was like, how are you holding your client? I remember feeling very much panicked because I was like, my sister's drunk, he's drunk. Who's in control here? Who's guiding or leading or protecting the space while there's like some, I don't know, some heavy metal playing in the background. And obviously back then I didn't know about my autism. And now thinking back a lot of the extra sounds and things obviously made me a little bit more afraid. But I just felt very panicked because it didn't feel like a consensual 
space, which it wasn't, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. So tattooing becoming a practice for me <laughs> completely blindsided me. Yeah. Finding, you... like, I mean, I took, I studied photography while I was working. Um, I started studying when I was 16. I did a couple of courses and then I got a, a bursary at Vega. And I did a, like a digital syllabus in analog. And there I started working with black and white. And then from there, I dissected my photos into tracing them in more linear fragments. And then from there, I started illustrating and then tattooing after that. Amazing. There's so many things because now because now that we're sitting here and when we speak, we speak like, I don't know, every other month or every month and then sometimes four yeah. months. I'm remembering yeah. all these things like I would love to. I'm just going to write them down so I don't forget as so if you see me like peeking over and looking like I'm typing, I am. Uh, but I, um, I love to see you closer because I've seen this amazing. You invited me to come see a talk that you did on. Uh, with your then mentor, maybe not then mentor, but the person who taught you to tattoo. Yeah. Um, and you did, it was essentially about safe space in tattooing. Yeah. Was that, yeah. The, what was the intention of that? It was like an Instagram live. And yeah. I, I chimed in, it was really nice. How did you, who does, who, who brought that up? And like, because you've had to like make all this, you've had to push really hard to get into tattooing. Were you not the front counter person for a long time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was I was um I worked for Ross at Handstyle here and I was the shop manager for a while. And then obviously then life happened and a few years passed and now now Ross and I are very very close in like we check in on each other every now and again and um I think it was at the end of not last, was it last year? I think it was last year. I messaged him and I was like, Ross, are you struggling with these points like X, Y, and Z? And he was like, immensely. So I was like, maybe we should just address people. Like maybe we should just address our clients and speak with them and remind them that, you know, even though like lockdown and all of that was kind of trickling out and becoming a little bit easier to navigate that everyone's tired, like exhausted. And so we just had to sit down and kind of spoke to people at a very like face value setting, which is very important to me. And just explained that if anybody feels overlooked or if we've missed bookings that were booked during lockdown, that please understand that it's not intentional or so it was just, it was, I feel like it's such an important thing to speak with people about, I think people have this misinterpretation of tattooers, maybe, that we, well, especially here, still, that we party and we're like super social and we're hardcore and we don't really sleep or whatever. I don't, I don't yeah. really know. And then it's like, there are actually a lot of, a lot of nurturing, especially for me, goes into what I hold and what I've built. 
and that makes me tired. Absolutely. I think that's what we've connected on in a big way is like the <clears throat> experience of holding space and uh, it being a queer space it also being a sober space and, and uh, something to, that we spoke about was like long distance mentorship and a friend nine is still engaged with that with me, which is amazing. Nine's also yeah. similarly to you been trying to be here, but with COVID and family stuff, it just hasn't happened yet. And so because yeah. of this technology that we have, it's like really chill to just go yeah. forward like like humans that live in the future, like now, with the, all this this ability to connect with people. Um, because when one can hold a specific space or something, or when we can tune into what someone needs in our space when they've come to get tattooed, their body remembers that for the rest of their lives. They not themselves might not remember exactly what was talked about, what music was played. They'll have the marking yeah. on their body, but they'll leave knowing that was like a resonated, uh, like a safe environment forever. Yeah. And hopefully that yeah. other, then they can attract other people to being tattooed in that same environment and it perpetuates other people doing other spaces similarly. And that, um, I don't know if it was like a talk that you did, the two of you, it was cool. Cause I got to see the space that you were working in, which was your home and your studio at the time. Yeah. And that's different now, right? Did you? Well, it's, I moved, I moved, in the same block because <laughs> I'm a hermit, <laughs> don't venture too far. Um, I moved in the same block just to the top floor and off of the like where my studio and home was then was on the main strip of Linden. Like it's a little kind kind of hub. So it's a lot like um, like Catesburg, much smaller, <laughs> but pretty much as loud. <laughs> Yeah. And now I just moved to a quieter street and to the top floor. But it's still I'm sitting like my my bed is over there. Uh-huh. And then there's a balcony and everything over there. And then there's a seating area over here. And then home is back there? Back by that door. Ah, oh, great. Yeah. So it's nice. Everything everything can be quite well like subdivided there's doors to everywhere so so it feels private for you as as your personal living space yes but also i feel i don't know it's a it's a very difficult thing for me to explain because a lot of my a lot of my like chosen family and my 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 loved ones like ask me isn't it exhausting working and living in the same space and it just it isn't it's never it's never taken from me i wonder how much that is what's in your chart because i'm coming to understand my leoness and that's where like for me control of environment and mm. maybe people you know <laughs> trying again yeah. it can never control people but you know my mind would like to think so um <laughs> and then the balance like the libra libra sun is like the, the internal struggle for balance be it aesthetic emotional spiritual physical yeah. you know um hmm that's so interesting because i got to the point where i bottomed out and was living at home and working at home yeah. and bottomed out with work and you know relationships at the time and um mm. was able to find a couple other fellowships that started to really kind of shake shake my shake out the stuff that needed to get shook shook out you know um and i, I could totally imagine living and working in the same space again 
in the current Brody now, five years later, you know? Um, yeah. How much of, is it your personality or like your ability, like maybe, I don't know, you have no cancer in your chart? You're not like a home, like you're a homebody. Cancer is usually... Yeah, it's, it's very home. hermited. I don't, I don't really know if I have, I can't tell you off the top of my head now if I have cancer in my chart. Maybe. Hmm. Well, I wonder. But, maybe the cusp. I don't, cusp must be an interesting experience because then you kind of get a bit of Sagittarius and a bit of Capricorn, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It feels like there's like a couple of people <laughs> having many words inside of me. And so when people come in, do they recognize and and like honor that it's your home? And is it kind of understood that it's your home because not only like this. I would, wouldn't want, like, is it very common for people to work at home there? Because it's common for people to work at home here. I think after, after the pandemic, yes, it's become more like kind of, um, I mean, even, even big uh, artists like, like Dave went private. I mean, it's still the studio separate to his home, but he went smaller and moved away from a big scale studio or shop um i think sometimes people are like a little bit surprised that it's my home but i i always invite them in and i ask them is it okay if i lock the front gate i can leave it open so that you know that you can leave at any point if if if, if that is what you feel and i i show them everything like my my bedroom doors are closed but i show them where the bathroom is i show them where how to get out onto the balcony show them to the kitchen yeah and i just take a moment and i make some tea or i pour some juice or i cut some fruit and make them aware that they they are allowed to take space here Hmm. so with the communication prior to them coming do you also let them know that it's they how, how often do you think people know that it's a private queer space and that it's that like sobriety is something that they can expect there and that you live there did did you have much of a a pre I have, like i i send a message like let's say it's a session on a saturday this i found this has become quite a good um rhythm for me it's like i send a message to check in friday how their health is and how they're feeling and if it's um if a female assigned body if they're on their cycle because then i can also just prepare them that it might hurt more and all of that um and then i say please don't drink this evening um otherwise we will have to move the session and some people have taken like a little bit of a a chance and i can smell alcohol on them the next day and then i just say very kindly like gonna postpone because i i can smell like the liquor on you yeah and then they're like yes i am quite hung over and then i'm like <laughs> yeah but then i can't i can't really then we'll do this another time mm-hmm. and I ne- i'm never aggressive or you know weird about it i'm it's a conversation yeah it is a two-way street right and like you said they yeah. took the chance you 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 got and touched them the night before just to clarify like what is the best way to get tattooed I can yeah. yeah I mean there's been a few people that have 
people come to Berlin, as you know, to party often, if not stay up for three days. And, yes. you know, like party tourism or sex tourism, all and also tattoo tourism, which is great. <laughs> um, yeah. People have come, people usually go to, if they come, they go to the club after. And that's like out of my control. Granted, it's probably not going to heal very well if you're like dancing yeah. and sweating and you're in and amongst a bunch of different people and like probably a fairly filthy environment and maybe not sleeping, maybe not drinking water. Uh, but I've had a couple times where people have come after the club. And I'm like, hey, uh, you know, same as you. Like, so I feel like there's something going on here. Would you, would you, were you out last night? You know? And um, only one person managed to get through the whole tattoo. Like they duped me until we were done and they were jumping all over the place because they were dying of pain, right? And yeah. at the end they yeah. told me, no, actually I was out last night. And I was like, they're like, I think maybe at the very end and they were about to leave, I was like, would you, like, when was the last time you slept? And then they're like, okay, fine. You know, like actually I, yeah, I came here to party and you're my last yes. stop on the, on my Berlin weekend. And I was like, oof. It makes me so sad because it taints the whole experience. When I see that tattoo, I'm like, Ugh. like, cause I, my, bo- my body remembers the experience and how difficult it was, you know? Yeah. Um, and of course I also feel for them cause they, they went through some shit. They got their stomach tattooed after having not slept for a couple of days and done a bunch of pharmaceuticals. That's a hard sit just in general. Yeah. Like, even if you're in tip-top form. Yeah, totally. And speaking of tattoos, it's so nice to see closer the tattoos that you have. Because I know that, one, you've been on the project of self-tattooing an arm um, with one flat black tone. Yeah. Like, for how I long? Mean, you've been doing it by hand, right? No, no, no. This, this my... my... Well, I'm busy building my bodysuit, which is, yeah, it's been a process. This, this black work has been done by two different artists. So the first half of it was done by the same person that did my throat mm-hmm. and, my, and my chest. And then the second half has been done by my really good friend, Jax. And he's doing all of my, like... Um, I think you call it like link chain the 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 chain that goes under your suit of armor ooh chain mail there we go yes so that's kind of the yeah the I love that and it goes over and then the, fi- the final one will look like that with the smaller details in it so uh-huh. and then a big we're going to do a big um, chrysanthemum on my head, like a Japanese chrysanthemum style for the helmet. Wow. So even just to get back to ink, which is something they've changed here, like you can't, it has to be this new EU certified ink that you can only use here now. So all those, so basically all the ink I've been using for years, which is only one, so drawing ink, um, can't use it yeah. anymore. Um, when you did this first part, when someone did the black here and then did the same, uh, like continued it on, you used, you made sure they had the same black or did you just hope, or did, do you notice a difference? There, I mean, I can see the the difference in how well it was done. (laughs) The top, yeah, the top half was done in winter, whereas I think the bottom half was done in summer. 
and because it gets extremely dry in Johannesburg, the top part healed much harder. But somehow, you can't really see the link. Huh. You can't see the different inks. There were different inks, but I think the one was like probably like a a solid ink, mm-hmm. and the other one might have been a different variation of that. Hmm. But both both just a standard black ink. Yeah. And I'm I mean I'm lucky that the one didn't have more blue pigment. Yeah, or greeny. You had like a blue and a yeah. green. Yeah. Although yeah. that could be kind of awesome as well. I mean that's actually why not only because you can get talons which is stuff of the drawing ink i've always tattooed with because my whole body i mean like why not use what i have all over my body you know you get it at the art store you get a like a liter for like 20 bucks or something 25 bucks um the only problem i guess it has like snail in it there's like it has like vegan no i guess not it, and not crushed up snails but it has snail juice it has like uh yeah that's the binder yeah right the snail gel is the binder yeah Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that's more collagen. It's I don't I, don't, I mean, I don't want to know how they farm it, but maybe that's a good thing to actually know and see. Yeah, they're not out in the woods like falling snails around, like you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, can I please have your snail juice consensually? You know, like <laughs> please, pretty please. Okay. Um, interesting. So, I, I I was under the impression that you were tattooing your whole arm black yourself and you're doing it by hand well i want to i'm doing my knees i'm doing my own kneecaps and as far and as like far down and as far up as i can go by myself okay that's what it was but currently like i mean the other day um i did quite a substantial like a panther head on on uh, my client's thigh and it was it was big, and there were quite a bit of the spots had like kind of a a hue dot work, so the it was solid to to skin again. I don't know if that makes sense. Yep. And that that took me two and a half hours, and all by hand. Wow. So I don't I I mean I really do want to see how much of an area I can pack solid black in by hand because it's it's a very faster process than doing just the linear stuff yeah you can get wild or you know what i mean like it it doesn't have doesn't have to be so precise so then how what is the needle um like how it is it what's your approach to hanging on to the needle do you bend it do you have it stuck to a a tongue depressor taped on there what are you doing no 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 i try and use as little yeah to not be wasteful um i have my needle and then i literally take probably about let's say like three centimeters of grip tape and just wrap it around for where my fingers are and then i just i just go for it wow that's badass. Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. So interesting to see because uh, all of a sudden when it's a single person doing something by hand, like two hands doing something by hand, you need one hand for stretching. You know, like there's like to consider what it would be like to, to, to for it to be a community event for someone to stretch the skin. And then yeah, yeah. that would be 
I think it would be really hard to be around someone else if there was three people in a ritual energetically. But but as far as like the labor that goes into it, if someone stretched well, damn. Yeah. That'd be if nice. Somebody could understand every every part of the body to get like the that bounce. Yeah. And then you just you can just go with your I think that would be I don't know, but maybe this is <laughs> I would feel out of control. Cause I like feeling because I monitor the that's the skin by the stretch. Yeah. It's yes. not so much the needle because then if it's if if it's about to rip then this is the hand that counts as that. Not not the hand going in motion. Yeah. So you had a really good apprenticeship then, because these are things of course you picked up from practice, but you, you probably yeah, also I, mean, I, yeah. I taught myself completely. Oh, I thought that you okay, so you went straight from being the shop person for how many years? I think it was about two years. And then you went straight into private practice because they wouldn't give you a job there? Yeah, they 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 said if I wanted to tattoo in the shop that I would have to step down from manager or be a manager and tattoo after hours. So work a full day as a manager and then work after hours just so in case just, you had the time and energy to do that yeah so i was just like you know what um no that doesn't feel fair so yeah it was either choosing to start when i've been well when i was manager i did all the appy work because there was no apprentice there at the time so i did all this scrubbing i did the setup the breakdowns the stock takes everything this sterilization of the space so I, I learned and I mean I'm immensely grateful for that knowledge like understanding the importance of like your sterilants for both like bacterial and fungal and all of that and um, Moshe my, my really good friend that worked in the space she taught me everything about stenciling just by so being around yeah. At the time. So I, would, yeah. I would watch her and she'd be like, so this is a very interesting space to stencil on. And this is how somebody should stand or rather have them lie down or, and I mean, her work is so flat and so beautiful. Very much, very much like just the, an immensely talented, like traditional artist, but her placements and the way that she understood and studied the body was very beautiful. I've never heard anyone say flat. And do you mean the way that it healed? Yeah, just the way that it sits on, I would say, like, on like a kind of like an indent on this on the body. So if somebody's quite muscular, she had this amazing ability to do the piece. Like, let's say, for example, if it was going onto my chest, yeah. She would just have the ability to make the image look so static and flat. Huh. Just like... Wow. Yeah. So then you just kept picking up pieces of the puzzle from whoever was best at it. Yeah. Like a sponge. And I watched. I'm an extremely curious and observant person. And I've, that's always been how I kind of learn. I don't. I don't necessarily always take part in conversation until I feel... I can 
but I always watch and I always ask questions. I'd love to circle back to skateboarding. So skateboarding and punk, those are like two peas in a pod and tattooing is is very much the third pea in the pod. So did your sister skate or how did you get into skating? Um, (laughs) no, but she was, she was friends with like all the skater boys. Obviously. Cute butts. Yeah. And you know, she, I mean, I think I was quite like a little oddball to most people there because I never like, I never like flirted with the boys, but I was always like, oh, I want to hang with the boys. I want to be one of the boys. Mm-hmm. So the the guys would just be like, there was this um, little skate crew called Planky Planky, which <laughs> means like plank, <laughs> plank, plank. Um, and I would just go out and we would find like houses that are about to be demolished and we would surf in the pools and yeah I always I I, when I was actually when I was living in Berlin a couple of like seven years ago now I built my own like sidewalk like zipper Mm -hmm. kind of just like a very small two feet behind each other board with roller skate tracks (laughs) And I love that thing. Oh. I skate the whole of Berlin with that thing. <laughs> uh, Universe, so me, made a bunch of boards recently, five different graphics, f- four different shapes, and the last shape of the whole run just came through and I got it and I, I gripped it yesterday, two days ago, and it's like a little sidewalk surfer vibe. I'll have to show you. It's a- That's amazing. It's about three, you could put three feet on it. It's a little short, little, only a tail, really nice little, like eight inch wide, 8.125 or something. So like, just like really, that's nice. just a fun, I call it a jammer. That's the, like the, the place I get boards made there. They have their own, you know, subcategory of what they call them, but I just kind of, you know, for the lack of a better word, rebranded them and gave them their own character like you know like what they would be what my perception of why i'd want to skate that board like called one of them the zontag because it's like the board you'd want to go skate the spate on or like just go skate to your friend's house casually yes one just to get around yeah just a casual one one's the doggy this is big crazy fun 80 shape really really wide big tail um with the fat nose yeah it's so great i'm so happy (laughs) to have one of those back in my life i haven't had one of those since the 80s you know um, yeah. and then there's this other medium, medium shape, but it's also a shaped board. It's like early nineties kind of still like a big nose, big tail, but they're both round. The tail's longer than the nose. And I call it the, I called it the Spady actually, just cause, cause we're here. <laughs> so you lived here That's and, so and ha- we missed one another. We weren't, maybe you were here even, you were here while I was here. We just never made contact actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I was it was quite an interesting journey there because I went with my with my partner at the time because she needed to get back to Germany. She was unhappy here, so we went there. And I got so lost in that city, Brody. <laughs> yeah. So many times I just took a bicycle and I was just like, let me just get lost. And I mean, back then, tattooing... I've thought about it. I got like a very 
janky machine off of the internet. As you I do. My, I gave it to my friend before we left and then tattooing kind of wasn't, you know, there anymore. Then I was just focused on how this big new space feels and far away from my parents. I mean, I think I was, oh, the, wow, wait, it's a while ago. I was there when I was 22. I'm 31 now. That's a long time so, ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Do you have a sense of longing to revisit as a new per like the version of yourself now? Yeah. Berlin? I mean, I mean, for me, every single step that I take is to get back to Berlin. It was the first time in my life that I got off of an extremely long flight and I felt at home. Hmm. It's a long ass flight. I didn't expect it to be so long. Very, it's like so far. Reconnecting to the internet but there we are we got you back i was like oh no it's that time period where the 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 information's the information highway is gesperd <laughs> no we're good we're good i can even charge my phone now oh is that that's now you have the power back the power yeah, is the happening back on, so oh my gosh amazing. look at that <laughs> serendipitous D yeah did we talk about load shedding I can't recall. I have it on my list. So would you mind? No, um, we, we like, we touched on it before yeah. we started recording. Well, yeah. the, this is the perfect time to, to let the folks, if they don't know what load, sh load shedding is. So <laughs> load shedding is just a very, I mean, it's a nationwide system to help regulate electricity use because we still run on coal like mines, like um, powers, power plants, mm -hmm. and resources are getting like scarce and expensive. And ESCOM is a bunch of bullshit. That's, it's a privatized. Obviously. Fuck. Yeah. So they, them in cahoots with our our government, who's up here in Gauteng, we're, we're under like ANC and down in Cape Town, the electricity thing is better because they, they are governed by the DA, which is an old apartheid. It's a, it's very complicated. It's a very complex thing over here, but um, the ANC and ESCOM work very closely together and there's a lot of corruption and now we all are just paying a lot of tax and a lot of electricity bills for, I would say, I think we have roughly around eight to 10 hours of electricity a day and then power breaks between that. My privilege just shakes in its boots thinking about that, you know? <laughs> Wow. Yeah. I mean, I I had this conversation with my friend the other day and I was like, you know what? It could be a lot worse. Like, 
there was actually a period in the heart of winter and it was a very difficult winter this year it snowed a tremendous amount around johannesburg which means it got very cold and like south african infrastructure isn't like built for the cold yeah. really no the cold siphons through every crevice <laughs> and um there was actually a period where the power went off one night and my my kitchen window looks out over the cbd and majority of the big metropolitan hubs so like rosebank and santon and um what is that ponty tower and brixton which are like very big kind of skyscrapers and you know where the money is made i guess you can say and um the power tripped and the whole city was pitch black and i remember i went downstairs to my friends um and i i said to kelsey i was like this is it this is that moment that we've all been fucking afraid of and the power is not coming back mm and um i remember very quickly having to speak to myself and be like you know what if that is the case you have candles you have a gas canister and you have a mode to make food you're fine you do not need more than that so i had to i mean i just had to do damage control otherwise i mean one would spiral mm. seeing a entire city go dark especially one i mean johannesburg is massive how many it's people really live there big. how many millions i can i can google that but what it's is, big it's i think berlin's like 3ish or something 3 million i bet you're at like 5 no johannesburg population we are 6 Ooh. 6 million Whoa. almost almost 7 <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, there's a lot of and people. Majority, and a vast majority of that is like um, rural and informal. Yeah. So it's 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 scary. Yeah. And so, I mean, I understand low chilling, and I've kind of like, in my mind, put it in a place where I'm thankful that they're taking like some precautions and something to kind of upkeep electricity yeah you know cuz the thing is that the 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 power plants because they're so old they get overused and they literally catch fire and like substations burst no shit and then that costs our government so much money which we don't know where the money is basically So it's it it's a it's a whole rigmarole it's it's absolutely fucked. Can I ask about the tattoos that are on your hands? Have you done any of that work on yourself? These? Yeah. Yeah, this hand I did myself. It's really beautiful. Thank Th- you. There's an eye at the back. Yeah. And then lines and then I did this cross over here. I wondered if you'd done that as well. Yeah. And then the, the other hand. Okay. Have you ever fucked around tattooing yourself with your non-dominant hand? No, I haven't, but I've wanted to. <laughs> My left hand is very special. 
I write with it. You but do. I don't know the pressure, yeah. You write with your left hand, but you tattoo with your right? Well, I can I can write with both hands. I used to be very, um, what do you call it? Am, Ambidextrous. Am, yes. And then my father thought that it was too queer, too weird. Too witchy. And, yeah. And then he sent me to like a behaviorist specialist and she taught me to write just with my right hand. But then I was like, no, I say no. I will keep doing it with both hands. <laughs> wow. Things I didn't know about you. I love this because usually I'm asking questions to people I know well that yeah. I know the answers of. <laughs> and and then we elaborate and we, we kind of go in t- tangentially in different directions. Yeah. I'd love to know about like meditation because you mentioned, I know that you're a walking meditator. Yeah. Like, you do movement meditation mostly. Are you a yes. yoga person? I can't do yoga because I have an extremely like bad back. So I've cultivated like a little like circuit that I call Joyga. <laughs> and it's like, it's a core strengthening and stretches that I know that my back can handle. And yeah, a lot of it's just to keep my core very strong, my legs loose and my arms strong also. Yeah. Amazing. So um, I hang a lot. I love hanging from like legs or hands i hang every morning from my hands as well to stretch out the because we're just doing this especially you like i i'm hanging on something that's a bit not as not as thin as a needle a needle bar and a little bit of wrap around it it's impressive that's how you do that's your i when i see people i'm always so interested when you see people doing tattoos made by hand how many in the north america or north maybe the modern context, how one hangs on to a traditional needle grouping and what, what people have come up yeah. with, you know? That way, I feel like there'd be so much pressure on on the squeeze or, you know, like there'd be a, quite a lot of tension that might, you know, maybe get stuck here and then end up getting stuck below your elbow. And then if it goes up farther and it gets, for me, stuck up kind of in this shoulder area. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so then your self-care practices, sobriety, meditation, joyga, and um you've talked you told me about queer like your chosen family something you've spoken about that i really yeah i'm so lucky to have that in my life as well how does like the so the the historically the political situation in south africa has just been it was impenetrable but now like since apartheid things have shifted but how much has shifted since apartheid, really? I mean, that's why I really love Johannesburg, because here there is that kind of like force, you know, and when you go into spaces, a white body is in the minority. Yeah. Which, which, is, which is really beautiful, because I mean, I lived, I lived in Cape Town for about eight years, prior to moving here and at the end of my stay in that city as beautiful and as grateful as I am for that city and what it taught me just ethically and morally I couldn't stay there anymore because of the like blatant like there's like so much racism there and classism it flabbergasted me and then when I moved here and I saw like initiatives and young 
artists and just the bodies that like kind of take space here i was like that is what it should look like that's what it mm. should feel like so i think a lot has changed definitely it just depends on where you are located so i would say cities that like kind of breathe change to me is here durban cape town and victoria and then other smaller spaces might they still have like this like stubbornness to see that it's okay and it it should be the other way around really when we were in the last i guess during corona which feels like um it feels like a long time ago, but it wasn't a long time ago. We were talking about you and the way that you're holding, you were operating your space with others and teaching others, um, other um, black femme folks and also queer folks. How is your, how's your mentoring going? Is it, uh, is it consistent or like have people been able to maintain keeping their practice going or how's that going? Cause it's in your home. So that's such a, such a giving yeah. thing that you're doing. I mean, you're immersed so in it. I started with two, um, two students. Uh, one of them identifies they them, and one identifies as she her. And uh, one fell away because I had to speak sternly to them, just because I think the the thought of becoming a tattooer was more of a, a status. Thing, then a holistic practice and then my other student is still working with me they have grown tremendously they have their own clients and I'm I'm shocked and surprised and amazing super proud every time they do a piece it's just yeah it's it's wild would you tell us the name of the studio if you kept up the same name yeah yeah, still us, they, them. Us, they, them. It's so nice. Yeah. yeah. So, as I am now, we're having much more visual contact, which is so nice. You've given yourself a new hairdo. How did, did you do it without electricity? Or did you do it while the power was on? No, well, it was very spontaneous. I was sitting with my friend downstairs and we were having tea. And then I was like, hey, Kels, don't you want to shave my hair? <laughs> And she was like, no, we're not shaving off your hair. And I was like, no, just my fringe. Because I have had a fringe. I don't, I don't even know the last time that I didn't have a fringe. Yeah. And I started feeling like, I think this year just coming and building up to my, my gender reconfirming surgery and everything like I always hid behind my fringe because mm. it covered my eyebrows and my eyebrows say a lot. And it's, it's one aspect of me that I don't really always, I don't have control. If I don't like someone, they raise or they do something very specific. <laughs> so I've taken away kind of that crutch and that, that curtain for people around me also just to get to know me a little bit better. Mm. I think I'm learning how to open up, I guess, is 
essentially what is happening. Oh, that's so badass. <laughs> Thank you. It was very nerve-wracking. I bet. Totally. Yeah. The, yeah. I am proud of you. That's fucking huge. And when is it? When you have the date for? Surgery? I'm. I'm still because. Oh, this is the other thing, and I mean, please aid your advice or input here. Is um, yesterday I went for my walk, for, so my meditation, and I I generally wear my noise cancellation headphones, and then I had this thought. And it felt like it literally smacked the back of my head, like a like a naughty child almost. So I've been going through the process, and I'm doing it public sector because private is just it's uh, not the kind of money that I um yeah I don't have access to that kind of money, and I've been very like kind of proud and private about it and and yesterday on my walk i was like maybe i need to stop this maybe <laughs> it's actually selfish to stop the process no to stop being so private about it yeah and because i remember at the beginning of the year i started the process i started contacting doctors here in johannesburg in cape town and then it was like round about like a hundred and twenty thousand rand which is a lot for like my country for here and um i got so depressed i got so the it felt like the when i when you fall really hard and the wind gets knocked out of your like heart almost and i suffered this whole winter i was depressed and then I had this beautiful session with uh, one of my clients and I don't know how the conversation came about and I just I just asked them I was like where did you have your surgery done and they were like oh I did it at the public hospital at Helen Joseph here in Johannesburg and they helped me and they were really like wonderful about it and they told me how much it cost and it felt like I was resuscitated with like air again because I can do that I can do that amount I can they said it was like about five years ago which blew my mind absolutely blew my mind um and it cost them like 25,000 rand that's a big difference yeah so now kind of I had this smack at the back of my head and I was like, maybe I need to like openly talk about this on my work page on so. Instagram because I mean, I'm not transitioning. I just really want a neutral body as much as I can do that and mend to that. And I think, I mean, I can't be the only one that feels like that here in SA where it's so scarce to have this kind of conversation and have this kind of knowledge, you know, because there's no support groups here. There's no queer or trans actively, you know, maybe I think on the university like grounds, there are like support groups and it's easier, but for like 
other individuals outside of those circles it's quite isolated mm -hmm. you know you, you have your chosen family and you kind of deal with it from there on yeah um, so now i thought about it and i think that i do need to share the process even if it's just maybe an update once a month of like how it's going you think i think yeah? so absolutely it's hella courageous and it might be the the extra love that helps you just be you, you know? Yeah. That's also what I was thinking is because, you know, I think, and I think you can resonate with this is like, you put a lot into a session with a person and sometimes that is empowering that you can hold the space and that you can make someone feel safe and you can you can be there for someone and you don't know them from a bar of soap, right? But, from a bar of soap, I love that. I've never heard that. But, but for this like hour or five hours that you spend with this person, they have maybe shown you a side that they've never allowed themselves to show just because of the space that you have created. And I think in my mind, maybe allowing people into my life a little bit more with something so personal could empower them. Definitely. I implore you. So much easier for me to say that than to do it myself. <laughs> I mean, I'm still, it's a, I'm still, I'm still scared. Yeah. I, like I said, like I'm a very, I'm a very private person. I mean, I will answer questions when they are asked, but other than that, I don't really, you know, share much of um, me. That's true. And I think maybe I, I, I sometimes kind of think about it and I'm like, is this an old habitual act because of like your you're growing like your the environment that you grew up in that you were forced to kind of mute or dampen this part of who you are and that was a struggle so everything after that that is a struggle you mute habitually mm. so i don't know it's a very interesting thought for me to sit with i think you're asking the very wise questions and there's a very good chance your body's going to give you the answer, which it did. It's like you got like smacked on the back of your head and you're like, did someone throw like a piece of fruit at me? Like what happened? That was so bizarre. <laughs> I was like, who was that? What, what was it? <laughs> yeah. So you have a session today, yeah? Do you have a tattoo? Yeah, I have one soon. Okay. No, it's three. I want to say thank you. It's been an absolute joy <laughs> sorry Sweet. that was unintentional that's the word i was going to use but then i realized double entendre with that one it's fine there's marcus as well so you can use joy <laughs> did you was joy your given name no no my my given name my well which i feel now is very much my dead name was jessica mm. yeah okay because yeah at one point you had I guess I haven't looked to specifically at your 
Instagram handle, but has that changed? Did you get rid of the Jessica, Joy Jessica, or is it just, because it is Joy Jessica, isn't it? I just, I still have, yeah, I have to figure out how to change my handle without, I don't know, I'm, I, I don't understand Instagram, basically, is what I'm getting at. I don't, yeah. I don't understand technology. <laughs> I think when you do change your handle these days, you still come up, like, it just, I think it, like, somehow, finally, changes it everywhere. Except okay, if there, except if there's, like, an interview on some other platform, but I think if it's through Instagram, Instagram stuff, then it'll stay, yeah. it'll change, but, you know, you know, considerably, something to consider for sure, but, um, like, if there's interviews, you don't want to lose that contact with, you know, the, the life force that is, yeah, like... I think, I think it's a good time. Yeah. I just... Yeah, I think it's a good time to do it. Regard disregarding the past, it's there. If people really want it, they'll find it. I feel. Yeah. Well, when you, I'll, I'll, I'll send you this interview, um, audio file when we're done, and uh, and I don't know if you plan to choose to do that anytime soon, but when and if you do it, I can always change it on my end as well. I think I'll do it soon. I'm busy re redoing my what do you call it my grid, I think is what you call it like your landing page thing. The way that it. yeah, I mean that is a, it's our yeah. modern day uh, portfolio as tattooers. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I want to say thank you again. It's been such a treat, and what we thought might happen only happened a couple times. Like there's only been a few times where I lost you. It was been really such a solid time to connect and I got to hear 99% of what you were saying so thank you oh no I think I lost you again oh did I lose you oh maybe you're coming back I think that's it. Thank you very much, Joy.